Welcome to the Veteran Founder Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. Starting a company allows you to be back in control. The weekly show that brings together military spouse and veteran founders who are doing remarkable things in the business world. I can't imagine there's anything out there stronger than the bond that military and veteran entrepreneurs have. We'll hear their story, the story of their business, and lessons learned. Joy can override the worries and depression. Here are your hosts, Carmen Nazario and Josh Carter. Welcome again to another hour of the Veterans Founder Hour. We're going to come up with a name at some point, but uh, I am your host, Josh Carter, Interim CEO of Patriot Bootcamp, but with me, as always, the lovely Carmen Nazario. Hello, everyone. Uh, how are you, Carmen? I'm doing great. How I, about you, Josh? Um, you know, the sun is out. I actually had to use my sprinkler for once, uh, so that's really exciting for me. You know you, you know, you live in the Pacific Northwest when you're excited to use your sprinklers. Yes, definitely. <laughs> me too. Had to do the same thing. Thing this morning, and and uh, you know, like I said before, at some point we're going to figure out a name for this thing, right? Like I think maybe in the next couple of weeks we'll we'll come up with a name. I think we should have a contest. Yes, I agree. Uh-huh. You know, on the way over here, I was like, we should name it the Scuttlebutt. <laughs> I, I want to be in the room for the sales reps that have to sell that. Hey, we we want you to buy an hour of the Scuttlebutt. Right? Like, that would be a good... Uh, I just want to be a fly on the wall when they do that. But we're at episode eight. Congratulations. Yes. I and think. and today we're interviewing Sam Brooks. Yeah. Sam Brooks is the CEO of Brooks & Associates, and he is also the founder of OWAMI, the Oregon Association of Minority Business Enterprise. Welcome, Sam. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Yeah, and today is kind of, it's sort of an honor for me to get to interview you because in reality, I've known you for so many years and I've really interacted with uh, Margaret, your wife, and Simone, your daughter, but I've never really interacted with you and I don't know your story. So it's going to be great to find out about your story and, um, and you know, uh, you're uh, a very very influential leader in this community, and actually nationally, I know because I've been to your office and I have seen the um, uh, the all of the awards you've received, including recognition from President Obama. Wow! So I'm excited to uh, co-host today with Josh and find out a little bit more. and And I want to go back to uh, you're also a veteran. Can you take us back to uh, your military life and then move us forward from there? Well, the military life, um, I was a uh, student at Tennessee State in 1965, um, and I was out doing the summer raising some money. I didn't have that much poor poor kid, and uh, I got drafted uh, to go into the Army, and I thought, well, I don't want to go in the Army. And somebody said, you should go. I was a physics major at Tennessee State. And they said, well, you should go down to the Navy because they're looking for people that are technical. I went down to the Navy. They said, well, you'll have to take the test first to see whether we have any interest in you. I took the test, and they said, well, based on the test, you can have any school you want. Wow. Uh, so so uh, with that, I went into and I said, well, you know, I've been drafted by the Army. They said, not to worry. We'll just sign you up before the Army got you. Nice. 
Love and uh, I went, and so this shows that people do what they want to do. But I went in the Navy. Uh, I spent uh, over a year A, B, and C schools at Great Lakes, Illinois. Great mistakes. Uh, That's uh, did you did you happen to go through the summer or the winter like I did? I went in. I had both summer and winter. Oh, so you got the gambit of it. Yeah, I had to go through got, when it was like negative forty. Oh, and that did area, you go to Great Lakes? I did. I did go much, much later than you did, sir. But uh, it was still probably the same buildings, same asbestos, and <laughs> and, I, and I'm sure it was just as cold during the wintertime. Oh my goodness, so bitterly and, cold. And that meant going over to Chicago a lot. Yeah, mm. it did. I love Chicago, but yeah, Great Lakes is uh, is crazy. So, what school did you go to when you went to uh, Great Lakes? Well, I was the last of a class. I was uh, both. I was a radarman technician. Uh, they stopped that after my year in school, where you were both an operator as well as a technician. Nice. Uh, I was the last school. Uh, I came out of school. Uh, I was uh, second in my class. Uh, you know, you do your dream sheet. Where do you want to go? And I picked out places like the radar station outside Detroit. So I thought I'd be able to get over and have fun. Uh, Jacksonville, Pensacola, Florida. And, you know, they call it a dream sheet because that's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. A you dream know, does not. <laughs> what's funny about that is, you know, I did, we did the same thing. We filled out our dream sheet and one gentleman in our class got uh, to be the tour guide at the USS Arizona in Hawaii. Can you imagine that? Wow. Yeah. Talk about a dream. Well, I didn't. I, I got <laughs> sent to the USS Catamount, LSD-17, on his way to Vietnam. Oh, boy. Uh, we went through a number of things, and, uh, and I was the only person on our ship in uh, Combat Information Center, CIC, that had actually gone to school. Oh, wow. Most other people, you know, got in by learning how to do things on the job. Sure. So, you know, you get a certain amount of uh, questions being asked because you went to school and you know more. Uh, I went through some circumstances when I first went in the Navy about since I was second in my class, you were automatically going to become a petty officer. And the executive officer weren't too cool about that. But life turns out well. Uh, a couple of two or three months later, uh, I was a third-class petty officer, and I worked my way up to first class by the time I got out. Uh, did three tours uh, running a Combat Information Center, um, and that's how I got to where I am now. Uh, between the second and third tour, uh, my ship came up from home base out of San Diego, uh, but came up to Portland for three and a half months for overhaul. Nice. Not and a bad place to in. get stuck. No, it was great. I mean, because, you know, when... We, uh, during my time, the Vietnam era, people weren't all that nice necessarily because people were pretty opposed to Vietnam and what all was going on. So, you know, I remember in San Diego there were some signs in some places that sailors and dogs stay off the grass and, you know, th things like that. But, it, you know, life goes on. And we got up to Portland. It was just amazing. There were hundreds of people uh, out on the pier uh, waiting for, I thought maybe it was, I was a single guy, but I thought maybe the uh, families of some of the married folks had come up from, I said, that was awfully fast to get from San Diego to Portland. <laughs> well, it wasn't. It was just Portlanders. And sure. if anybody knows, now when we have Rose Festival, people were that way to us as uh, military people at that time. Oh, that's uh, and I met the founder of Techtronics, if, if anybody knows Portland, yeah. Howard Volum. 
Howard Fowler, the founder of Textronics, came to talk to the military because he sold a lot of his stuff to the military. And he said, if you come back to Oregon, uh, look me up and I'll give you a job. That's great. I love that. And I, I came back, went out to Tektronics in Beaverton, uh, went up to see him and told the secretary that who I was and that the president said, come see him. Uh, and he'd give me a job. She looked at me like, I don't think so. Uh, but she did, you know. But she did go back and tell him. Wait, wait, wait! I, I want to make sure I understand this right. You walked into the lobby and said, "Hey, the president of your company said, come talk to me. Uh, I'm going to give you a job.'" And the and the woman absolutely just went in the back and got him. Yeah, she went back. <laughs> I mean, I always have to give her credit because she did. She looked at me like, "No, that. you got to be kidding." Yeah. But she she did walk back, and Howard walked out and said, "You want to start this afternoon?" Oh my oh. goodness. That's amazing. And uh, that was the beginning of my time in Portland. Uh, <laughs> what what a way to march your way into Port- Portland, like quite literally. That's amazing. <laughs> so, and, and it only lasted a year, though. I had been a physics major at Tennessee State, and I was thinking that I would probably be doing R&D, research and development. And actually what I was going to be doing was testing oscilloscopes. And mm. so I wasn't too keen on that didn't work. I wasn't too happy about that. Uh, and then it so happened that my left arm became paralyzed for something that they fixed later. Uh, I went down to the employment department to see were there other opportunities, and they suggested I should come work for the employment department. Uh, I did, and ultimately ended up staying there 10 years and becoming an executive with the Public Employment Service in Oregon. And that was the beginning of all the other things, because after... Working there, they said, you should start a staffing company. And I go, why? Uh, how many minority staffing companies do they have in Oregon? They said, none. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's, then why should I do it? <laughs> and uh, But I did, and here we are now, uh, 37 years later. <laughs> that's incredible. I love it. Yeah, you you took us into some of the questions we were going to ask, which is great. Oh, cool. Uh, That's okay. Your your life before you became an entrepreneur. So so you started 37 years ago. And uh, uh, go ahead, Sam, tell us more about that journey, because that was a first here since you were encouraged by that agency to start a staffing company and that there wasn't any minority staffing companies. So that landscape back then was so different from today. Oh, yeah. I mean, I always tell people, I don't say who, but I've been in offices uh, for major corporations in the way back in those beginning of the 37 years. And uh, I remember one major corporation without calling the name of the company. I walked in to leave my card that I'm a staffing company. And and uh, and a person said in personnel that when we're not looking for affirmative action candidates, we're also not looking for people that find them. Mm. Uh, and well, that's kind of interesting. I just said, well, actually, I wasn't here to talk about affirmative action. I just came to leave my cart. <laughs> and and, uh, and that was it. He laughed. I laughed. I walked out because you know, two years later, same person calls me and said, you may not remember me. And I said, yeah, oh, I remember you. <laughs> and he said, uh, we are uh, the Office of Federal Con- Contract Compliance, OFCCP. We're being reviewed, and they suggested that we may want to talk to you because during your time with the Employment Division, you wrote a lot of the language that the federal government's using. 
and wondering if you'd be willing to work with us. And I said, well, I would be happy to work with you. And I said, however, it'll cost you a lot more now. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And so, you know, it got, you know, these little things that happen to you over time, and we began to grow the company. Uh, uh, There's two sides of me that have always been going on. There's the side with Brooks Staffing, as Brooks and Associates, and then there's the side with OAMI, the Oregon Association of Minority Entrepreneurs. And that came about because uh, I got nominated during the Reagan administration to go on the national board for small business in the United States. And uh, I was the first person west of the Mississippi uh, and the first person of color to be on the national board. Um, That was from 1986 to 1989. Um, And our job was to look at the issues of small business around the United States and there's really some, I mean, I was initially pretty much overwhelmed because they had a nine-member board responsible for the small business development centers and all the recommendations and money and they had people like the president of the University of Texas and uh, the John Bancroft, the founder of the Pacemaker, they had all these people and here I'm a young guy wondering, wow, how did I even get here? president but it turns out that the second year there they wanted me to become the chairman nice and and i was the chairman uh, in 87 and uh, 80 uh, 87 88 beginning of 89 and uh so i learned a lot i found that our job was to look at small business issues throughout the united states and make recommendations for improving and i came up with the idea of owami where um, the focus was not on which particular ethnic group you belong to but with a philosophy of everybody's in and nobody's out. And that was the beginning of that organization. And today we're having our conference uh, next Thursday with about a thousand people there. We we today have 850 companies that belong to it uh, that come from 60 countries. That's great. Great. So it's been a, it's been a, it's been a run. Yeah. Nah, nice. So if you're just joining us, we are uh, talking to Sam Brooks of Brooks Staffing. He's the co-founder, or founder and CEO. He's also the uh, founder and chair of the Oregon Association of Minority Entrepreneurs. Uh, Sam, you mind if we pay a bill real quick? Oh, absolutely. So we're going to talk about CPA dudes, where accounting is never boring. They are priced. Their prices are not based on time. Customers decide the value of them, and they don't charge for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings, which is nice because I often get bills from my CPA about all those little minute little things, and like I'll get a bill for 0.4 hours or whatever. It's so annoying. But anyway, they just get the damn job done. So you can find more information about CPA Dudes at cpadudes.com forward slash startup radio. You can tell them Carmen and Josh sent you. So Sam Brooks. A Brook Staffing there in uh, in Eastern Oregon, sir. Uh, the story has been amazing. I love hearing uh, the background, especially a fellow Navy vet. By the way, thank you very much for <laughs> for your service and for providing some great sea stories. I'm sure we can have a lot of time to sit down and talk about that. But what I'm really interested in is you talked a little about you. Fi- you talked a little bit about how there was this gap that existed for minority uh, job seekers here in the state of Oregon, and, and you were going to fill that gap. Talk about some of the challenges that you were faced with, even in those early stages of growing this business, and how you were able to overcome those. Well, I, I, I'm pretty much a person that does not give up. I, I just keep working on things, and I had been on so many over the years, even now, so many community-based 
organizations and boards and just doing community service, I've always met a lot of people. Uh, and as a result of that, we've been able to, we were able to grow our company based really on having connections with people. Uh, it's, it, there's a certain amount of difficulty. Uh, and finally, uh, starting the company in 19, decided to start the company in 1981. Oh, wow. Uh, that's when book staffing started. And in the early days, we were just a employment agency. Sure. Um, uh, and back then when people had, there was, uh, people pay to find, help you have you help them find a job. Uh, employers pay because employers didn't pay a lot. Nowadays, it's automatic almost. I can't imagine anybody coming in and paying to have you help them find a job. Mm -hmm. uh, there may be some that existed, but they would have to be few and far between. But in those days, that was a part of the Snelling and Snelling kinds of companies. That's what used to take place. So we started this, the staffing company, and we also, uh, at the same time, looking to expand how we did things, started private rehab placement. That's with people who have been injured on the job and you have to get them back to work. So we have as much variation to try to make a living as possible. Um, and uh, it worked out reasonably well, uh, but we started to say, well, let's expand where our opportunities are. Um, and we started to, in the process of doing that, we started to look at 8A contracting hmm. uh, with the federal government. Sure. Uh, and we became, at the, by the time we rolled around, I think two, by 2000, uh, we were an 8A company, and that was a great slog back in those days. Um, we weren't getting a lot of business. I think it took us about four years you, with all of the making contacts with every federal agency. I think we got our first major contract about 2004 with Federal Highway. Oh, wow. It went very, very, very well to finally about two things. I think they tell me, I don't, time has run by so fast that by 2006, we were the national small business, minority business of the year for Federal Highway in the United States. That's great. But in those uh, early days, it was just you, right? Like, did you have any other folks that came in with you to do the staffing agency with? Well, Margaret came in in 19, actually, Margaret's been around a long time. When we started the company in 1981, her thing was, when you get enough business, we, I'm not going to quit my job because you're starting a company. <laughs> and Margaret's uh, your wife, just to clarify. Yes. <laughs> and she's always <laughs> run the back office. She said, when we're making enough money that I don't have to worry about it, I'll think about coming into the business. <laughs> That's a very pragmatic approach on your wife's part. I, I love that. Uh, she, she's a very <laughs> pragmatic person. <laughs> I love it. And, and as it turns out, uh, Pacific Power came to us somewhere along mid-80s and said that they wanted someone to come in. Pacific Power, you know, is where you pay your electric bill. Sure. They wanted somebody to manage the front office where people paid the bill because they'd had some issues uh, and wondering if we could do that, but our people should look just like their people so anybody that walked in to pay their electric bill wouldn't know our employees from their employees. Interesting. Uh, at, at that point, I talked to Margaret because it looked like and he was going to give us a contract to do all in the Portland area. And we had a talk, and that's when she quit her job. She was in the wood products business, came into the company, and that really lasted for most people don't even realize. We collected all the money in the whole metropolitan area for Pacific Power 
for nine years. Oh, wow. No, I didn't Until, know that. Uh, yeah, we managed all, uh, everybody that paid the electric bill in Portland, those were people that were at the uh, front desk, were, those were our employees up for nine years until they moved the headquarters to Salt Lake City. Oh, wow. Mm. Uh, so that was the beginning when Margaret came into the business. Uh, I, without saying it, uh, she did a fantastic job. Uh, Margaret's a part of, we've, we've, been, we've been married now for 45 years last Friday. Congratulations. Congratulations. That is, that is amazing. Yeah. And she's, oh, our partnership has always been about a partnership. Uh, I can promise all kinds of things, but she ran the back office to make sure that whatever you were promising, there were things that were going to really get done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I can vouch to that because I, I we've worked with um, uh, Brooks & Associates doing contracting on various contracts, and Margaret is, is just great, has been great to work with, and she even, uh, you guys were, uh, had been in business more so, than, uh, longer than us, so she was also a great coach to us and mentor so um she's a great lady uh she i mean uh, to, to, for 45 years uh i can tell you it's been a great partnership uh and our daughter simone who came into the business after she uh graduated from high school at 16 uh went wow. off to hampton university in virginia came back and did her graduate work at the university of washington and shortly after, um, after um, she was decided she didn't want to continue in the field that she was in, uh, we actually had her come down, I think about 2000, and work with us because we had a contract then with the city of Los Angeles and, and uh, Power and Light for L.A. And... We needed somebody that could do project management for us. And Simone had worked um, uh, for Boeing doing project management, so we hired her uh, and to be ready for the changeover uh, in 2000 when everybody was had to change the times on equipment. So Simone came in and we thought, well, you know, you ought to think you ought to come work for us. And she said, well, I don't know. So she didn't. Uh, but as a marine environmental scientist, which she is, she worked for a company, I think they were the second largest environmental company uh, in the country. Uh, but she at one point said she wanted to go to lunch with me and said, you know, corporate America is very tough. You've been asking me about coming to work in the company. Is that still open? And I said, yep, but, you know, it's nothing's changed. Running a company is what it is. Yeah. Uh, she came in. She came into the company. Uh, did a fantastic job. We grew from a little company that was at the beginning just me around to up to about 200 employees. Whoa! Uh, uh, in about six states at one point. Uh, but as time started to go on, we started to get older, and we're we're heading down. Uh, I needed to kind of get away from things because I was diagnosed. I think when I was. Uh, 50 as a diabetic uh, and they gave me all the things you ought to be doing you know you, you need to relax and Margaret said you never relax you're always going to stuff if you're in Portland you are not relaxed because you're so busy we bought our house. <laughs> busy building a business 
Yeah, there's overlapping. <laughs> uh, you know, in those days between Owami and Brooks staffing, I was probably doing 15, 16, 17 hours a day, yeah. seven days a week. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. stop, man. Yeah. And uh, we, but we did. We, uh, she said, you, you, you don't stop. You're always doing stuff. And we came down to Yachts and bought a house down here 20 years ago this year. And in those days, I could only come down to the ocean um, like the end of the day Friday, go back on Sunday afternoon because got to be back to work on on, on uh, Monday. <laughs> but yeah. you know, it was it was somewhat relaxing. We got where we would come at uh, then a little bit, maybe at noon on Friday, and come back on Monday. So over the years, this expanded out to the point that now it's four days. It was four days a week uh, in Yachts and three days in Portland. And finally, go. as our age started to go, we started to say, well, Simone became the president, and we were then helping her along the way. And finally, she said, I see how mom, you and mom have worked for 37 years running the company. I, I don't have a mom. You've <laughs> always had mom in the, as a person in the back office, and you didn't have to worry about anything. I've not been able to find a mom. Yeah. Yeah, and somebody said, to well, help her, yeah. Yeah, she's hired people, but they never quite panned out. You know, you got you, you know, when you're second in command is a person that's got to be there doing all the things that you need to have done. I find it I find and, it a little bit ironic that you guys are in the the business of placing people but can't find people within your own organization. <laughs> like that's a challenge, right? Like that's that's a challenge that transcends all businesses that it's really businesses, hard to find the right people to do the right job at the right time. Particularly a number two, a number two yeah. is tough. I, I, I could have said that. 100%. Yeah, it's really and difficult. And I said, I said to her, well, you know, I wish I could, you know, we'll do everything we can help, but I can tell you we, we're we approaching our 70s now, oh, man. and we're now in our 70s, so I can't help you with mom because mom's going to be with me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> On the beach. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, Sam, we also want to talk a little more about Awami because um, that organization, uh, now you said that you started that in, was it around 86 or 89? 1987. 87. 86. When I was on the national board. board of and then, um, and so tell us about that, how you started it and uh, the growth. And, you know, I know I've participated in many activities there. And I had earlier shared with Josh that you uh, would even be hosting activities for the Small Business Administration. And there's all kinds of things going on, mentoring, and you have incubator businesses so we the audience would probably would love to hear more about um owami well with owami uh again being on the national board during the reagan administration uh, our job was to look at the issues of small business uh, throughout the united states and then to report that information uh to the sba to the congress the president uh and from montpelier vermont to scottsdale arizona we were throughout the united states looking at issues of small business and i gathered information one of the things that happened as being the first person west of the mississippi and the first person of color on that national board usually what i would get is when we came into some place everybody wanted to talk to me after the board was introduced 
because usually there were people saying, I want to tell you what's really going on in our town. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, how we're treated with this or that. And I would go meet with them. And what I got out of that is that not that other people shouldn't have all our different organizations for every different ethnic group and women and what have you, but it seemed like to me there ought to be an organization where everybody worked together. Mm-hmm. And so I thought Oregon might be a good place to do that. So I started talking to people about forming such an organization, and not since I knew people, uh, and most people you know, were sympathetic because I knew them. They would say, Sam, sounds like a good idea, but I don't think it'll work. Uh, I said, well, you know, work with me on it and we'll see what we can do. That was really the beginning of of, uh, of OAMI having, uh, coming into existence. I knew people in Portland, some of our first people, for instance. Uh, our first contribution, we, we run a microloan program. We're number six in the nation now. But at the beginning, our first contribution came from the Nike Corporation. Uh, the chair yes. of the board... The chair of the board said, you know, Sam, what, what's the thing you would need to get done what you want to do, uh, capital or technical support? I said, both. You can't do one without the other. Yeah. That's why we got our first $20,000 from the Nike Corporation. Uh, out of Minnesota, our first $250,000 for technical assistance came from the Community Reinvestment Fund um, in uh, Minneapolis. And... A woman there, again, I, I met through other circumstances, but she said, I see that you are doing this stuff that I heard you talk about, and rarely do we have people doing things they just usually are mouthing off. And she called me one morning and said, how would you like some money? <laughs> and I, and you know, like 5 o'clock in the morning. How would you I mean, like I some said, money? Yes, please. I, and I said, who is this? And she's gone now. But she said, Bobby. I said, Bobby who? And she said, Bobby in Minnesota. I said, oh. She said, well, I want to come out there in Oregon and talk to you about supporting minority women business. She did. She came up. We went to lunch. And she said, uh, if you were looking for money or technical assistance, which would you be looking for? I said, you have to have both. She said, that's a good answer because if you'd have said anything else, I couldn't help you. Yeah. I said, okay. She said, if you were looking for money, how much would you be looking for? And I said, well, if you were looking to give money, how much would you be looking to give? <laughs> and, she, and she said, if we were going to give anything, it'd be like 250000 That's okay. And I said, that's just to figure out I was thinking of. <laughs> Funny and you should mention our, that, yeah. <laughs> and that was our first. So what we started to do is just began uh, a business incubator. We were the first business incubator uh, in Oregon, uh, again, working on things with Portland Community College. Um, we, they got a grant to actually try out an incubator from the federal government. Uh, it didn't work out so well. Um, uh, one of the, the president of the Cascade campus, uh, asked if I, the guy that they had wasn't working so well, if I would come over and help them out. Um, I did. And they asked me if I would look at it and, and see what was working and not working. And I tell them. First of all, they only had a 5,000-square-foot test building, and there's no, that there really wasn't any economy of scale in 5,000 square feet. Uh, so I recommended that they close the one on the campus and move elsewhere. And nice. so they did. Uh, and it didn't work. And ultimately, Pacific Power 
owned the building they were trying to incubate out in, and they asked me if I would be interested in taking over the building. Nice. And it was a 40,000-square-foot building. Wow. And what kind of businesses were going through this incubator at the time? Uh, people were trying all kinds of things, but when ultimately the president of Pacific Power uh, came over and, and asked me how would I like to have the building, wow. and I said, well, let me look at it. I put a business plan. And they owed $600,000, and it was only appraised at 400000 and so I told the president of Pacific Power, with that, you'd have to give me the building. Yeah. Oh, and about a week later, he brought the deed by and says, it's yours. Whoa. Along with the debt. <laughs> that was his thing. that you can have it, but the debt as well. And so we started, uh, we always had an incubator without walls. That means that you're working to help businesses be successful, but they don't have to be in the same facility. Huh. We began working on this building. Uh, which was only 30% built out at that time because it had been a um, metals and development building. Uh, we started working on it, and it was only, what, 8% occupied. We ultimately filled the building, 38 companies, um, and it was entirely built out in 38 companies uh, in the building when we sold it three years ago and moved to our current location uh, out in Delta Park. That's great. I love it. I, and, you know, being a, being someone that has uh, developed accelerator programs for startups and other businesses, I, I can it, that story really resonates with me. And I, I love the fact that you had resources at your disposal to make this uh, go and, and make it grow really, really effectively. And to have somebody just come up and be like, hey, would you like some money? Here, would you like a building? Like, it's so hard to get all this shit done now to have somebody to hear these stories of somebody that just kind of hands you a building and some money to run it is, uh, is pretty remarkable. So I, I, love the, uh, I love the thought around that. What were some of the challenges that we, you ran into with this, uh, with this incubator program? Oh, everything that you can think of. Imagine a building that's uh, imagine a building that is only thirty percent built out. It's just a, it's just a, a dump. Yeah. Uh, and we were fixing stuff every day. There was something, and people were saving it. came. I was here the last time I was here. You only had two rooms finished, and now you got four finished. Every time I come back, you got something else done, and that's literally <laughs> what we were doing. Yeah. And our conference next week is about partnerships. It really has been uh, all the partnerships yeah. over the years. Uh, Gretchen Kafori, former commissioner, because she was so wonderful when she was city commissioner. Uh, I remember the fire department first coming into the building and said, all of this stuff does not fit. And yeah. so you guys are going to have to shut down. Uh, Gretchen told, was in charge of the fire department. Hmm. And she told them, you need to work with Sam Brooks to get it done. They will get it done, but they may not get it done as fast as you'd like it done. They came back over and said, um, we've been told by the commissioner to work with you guys, so I guess I'm not going to close you down. <laughs> so, I love it. You know, it's been, it's Clearly been you had great. people, you had a lot of people that had your back, Sam. You, you got it. It's been, <laughs> it's been partnerships, the access to capital. Yeah. Uh, with the little money we got at the beginning, that's not much money, but we got a million dollars oh, about my. 10 years ago uh, from the SBA. But they, they didn't just do it because they liked us. We had 
the best numbers in the country. We were actually, and uh, even now we are number six in the nation. Uh, and that is, you know, New York, L.A., all these places. The reason we've been able to get these things done, and I would suspect we should be number one if you look at minority businesses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, because we we are inclusive. Everybody's in. We're people. Our members are from 60 different countries. Oh, man. Right. And uh, my, second in, my second in command, Jorge Gura, has, Jorge has worked with me now since for 28 years. Oh, boy. So you got a good I mean, relationship there. How many times can you find somebody that will be on your staff? You clearly found the long. right person. <laughs> and that was, and, and Carmen, that was Margaret again. I have not had anybody that come to work for me that wasn't screened by Margaret. Yes. Yes, she Her did Her thing always job. was, when Jorge came to work for me, she called me up and said, I've got a guy over here who's looking for a job that I think you can get along with. Yeah. Hey, if your wife can figure that out and vet them out for you, then it's probably a good idea to work with them, right? Yes. You got it. (laughs) This person can deal with you, so I think they're going to work out great. (laughs) Hey, so uh, we've been talking to uh, Sam Brooks from uh, Brooks Staffing, also the chairman of uh, OAME, Oregon Association for Minority Entrepreneurs. Uh, We're going to pay another bill real quick, uh, Sam. Is that okay? Great. Cool. So, uh, Pork Bun Domains, website and internet commerce for the rest of us. Don't be so goddamn pig-headed. Uh, Pork Bun, where you can get website domains for your business or personal brand with the lowest prices and amazing free services. So, you, we've all heard of the .coms, .orgs, .whatever, uh, but did you know you can get a domain name that matches what your startup does? So, if you are a design entrepreneur, you get a .design domain. Go figure. Uh, so use your imagination and contact them at porkbun.com forward slash startup radio. You can tell them Josh and Carmen sent you. So, again, we are talking to Sam Brooks, uh, Brooks Staffing. Remarkable story of, of just growing this really small uh, niche staffing agency from just himself to, at some point, over 200. And also uh, running a great incubator. We're, we're talking about how he's grown this amazing program, and uh, and just a remarkable story, Sam. So uh, we're going to get right into, uh, I want to hear what's next for Brooks Staffing. So your, your, your daughter's now taking it over. Uh, what do you think is the future of, of Brooks Staffing? Well, she decided that she couldn't find a second-in-command um, as good as what she had seen us run the company, that... She wanted to go do something else. Oh, wow. She is, she, uh, she is a marine environmental scientist. Uh, and I, I she, uh, at our last board meeting, because our oldest daughter is a is the news anchor for NBC in Chicago. Oh, okay. Um, nice. But, and, but she, she does sit on our board of directors. She's not employed by the company, but she sits on the board. And we had a, a board meeting, and they came back. The, the girls were very tough as well. I think they take after their mother. Uh, and they said, you know, Dad, Mom, if we if Simone says, if I decided I didn't want to continue to run the company, would you guys be upset? And I said, well, you know, we're not going to be upset. We've had a very good life. I mean, you're talking to a kid that grew up in the South in Tennessee in the segregated 40s and 50s, and they've grown a company where uh, I, I'm a happy camper. Yes. Uh, Margaret grew up yeah. in Canada. We've made a pretty good team. So if you guys decide you want to go a different direction, uh, we're going to be happy campers because we're going to be going on retirement. Love it. And so that's kind of 
that we did. So we decided to go to go through that. We we own our we own our block on Alberta Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of our other property, we own it. So we're working through. So having told us that, I said, well, uh, we're okay with that. Yeah. So we're the, we're moving toward our retirement. We we are essentially retirement. By the end of June, we will have been uh, converted the company uh, into other people. I know Carmen's. Uh, I hope is going to get some of the folks that we've done federal stuff with. We manage with the Port of Portland, uh, the folks in Vancouver that are like the judges and those. But we just we've done tons of stuff. Uh, but it's time for us. You know, at, you know, I, I'm in my 70s now. I'm so far so good. Health is good. I'm coming and going. Uh, as soon as I finish with this, I'll be out on a tractor and driving and enjoy. But it's time to make a transition to do something different. Sure. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. And, and we'll do the same with our, with our block. We have the largest, I think, with the undeveloped piece of property on Alberta Street in Portland. And we're talking to folks who, I don't want to, you know, one point I thought about, do I want to get into development? I said, that's a lot of work. That's I've a lot of work, yeah. Yeah. No, I don't. So we got people that want to do that, and uh, I'm probably will partner with them so that going into it'll be maybe a 50 year lease where I'm part of the deal, um, and we're gonna just enjoy ourselves and uh, make sure that we leave the kids and grandkids in good shape. Well, certainly you're leaving a great legacy to your children and 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 the community in North Alberta. I did want to uh, you, Sam, to touch on what you do with students by way of Awami as well. Oh, that's wonderful. We have uh, maybe one of the best youth entrepreneurship programs uh, in the state. We have every year now for 15 years, we have about 50 young people that come in the second Thursday in August. Um, and we have some of the best CEOs and other senior level people in the public and private sector to come in and work with these young people. Uh, and what happens to them, they, they put together a business plan um, where they get to actually uh, entire business plan, the, the marketing, um, the administration, everything to learn, and they, and they get money for it. The ones that win get a certain amount, second, third, everybody gets something. And then we have an ongoing program that we do for kids to come in and, and we talk to them and bring some of our people in to help them understand what it takes to be successful in business. Uh, two weeks ago, we had 19 young people that came up from uh, Southern Oregon Community College down in Coos Bay uh, mm-hmm. that came up. And we had, they really would, and usually what happens is they get to go through our, one of our monthly meetings and uh, I meet with them uh, afterwards. Uh, and I heard from the Secretary of State's office uh, yesterday that the kids out of Coos Bay were just ecstatic because uh, what we tried to tell them is that they are in fact uh, in charge of the world. Whatever people think, uh, they all they have to do is keep living. So we want them to understand that regardless of what grown-ups tell them, they're actually going to be in charge of everything. Love it. So our job at OAMI is to try to help prepare the way for them, not if, but when they take over, that things will be in good shape for them. That's amazing. It's so wonderful. Um, and anybody can apply for that program, right? Oh, absolutely. We we love to have the young people. We're, we're, as soon as the conference is over next Thursday, 
we immediately go in getting ready for all the young people to come in for that day um, uh, in August because, I mean, the place is packed. We almost have more adults there than kids because people apparently let parents come. They can sit if they like. And some of the parents come and they see the kids putting business plans together, discovering things, and they go, I didn't know my child was that smart. <laughs> what's the what's the age group then? Uh, how young can they uh, be to participate? From thirteen to twenty-four. Oh wow, thirteen! I can send my grandson. <laughs> yeah, we push them. Yeah. I run into kids downtown. They'll say, "Mr. Brooks, I'm making money, and I just finished my engineering degree at Portland State." As a That's amazing. Very good. Make sure you put something back. Yeah. Yes. Give back to to the community. That's, That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's so wonderful. Um, so, Sam, um, did did you have any parting thoughts? You know, um, obviously you've mentored so many people. I mean, any words of wisdom that you can share in terms of, um, uh, you know, like the biggest thing uh, that you've learned throughout this uh, career and throughout your uh, entrepreneurship and um, business ownership and leadership. Um, so anything that would inspire our audience? Any takeaways? I, I I think the biggest takeaway thing that I continue to try to share with everyone is the one piece of philosophy. We have a number of them, but the one that I like most of all uh, is that everybody's in and nobody's out. Because uh, you I don't know that. where you don't know where the success and the help is going to come from. Yep. So you have to be inclusive. Um, I know that again because Jorge and I have worked together for so long uh, during uh, Governor Kitzhaber's time. Uh, and Vicente Fox was the president of Mexico. We actually have the only signed agreement with the president of Mexico, Anawami, and the governor of Oregon with the National Polytechnic in Mexico City to do what we do. We actually have an agreement. Uh, I'm an honorary professor at the Polytechnic. People are always, if you just work with people, it's just wonderful. Yeah. And when I see people that don't do things together, you're missing out on an opportunity. Uh, and the young people seem to get it a lot easier than uh, my colleagues that are adults. But I have to say at Awami, people come some uh, some mornings at our coffee and issues meeting, uh, because our members come from 60 different countries, we, we encourage them. Sometimes they'll just, they just go into it automatically. People will want to, because we give them what we call our six-second rule to give your name and your company. And they'll decide to do it in the language of, of either them or their, or their parents or grandparents. And all of a sudden, everybody goes, wow, the people were speaking French, they're speaking Korean, they're mm -hmm. speaking, you know, it's, and then you say, yeah, and I use it, isn't this wonderful? Yeah. That's You're amazing. looking at people all different, and you get to appreciate a lot of other things. That's amazing. Yeah, we've been listening to uh, Sam Brooks of Brooks Staffing, and uh, just a remarkable story. We really appreciate you coming on uh, to the program and telling your story. Where can people find you online? Where can people find, uh, well, Brooks Staffing is going, but where can people find Awami? You'll always find me, and if anybody needs to send anything to me, sbrooks at sbrooks.com at Awami. O-A-M-E dot O-R-G, and we have a massive amount of information about everything that we do. I love it. 
I love it, and I'm, I'm so excited that uh, you got to spend some time with us today. Uh, Carmen, you got any parting words before we take off? No, I just really want to thank you, Sam, because you have been such an inspiration. Um, I have participated for years in so many of the Awami events, and it's been uh, life-changing, uh, some of the sessions I've participated. And just the networking, that had opened up a lot of opportunities for me. And it wasn't that you're going out always to look for opportunities, but just uh, the fact that you can meet up with other business people, uh, you know, from that, I've, I have lifetime friendships. So um, at, on a personal level, I'm thanking you uh, from the bottom of my heart. Yeah. Thank you thank so you much so for much all you comment. do. Yeah, thank you so much for what you do, Sam. It's been uh, it's been great getting to know you over this hour, and uh, good luck to everything you do, and, and enjoy your retirement, too. Yes. Wonderful. I'll try my best. The tractor is waiting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you've been listening to the Startup Radio Network, the network that brings inspiration and education to startups and entrepreneurs around the globe. Tune in again next week and every Friday at starting at 10 a.m. Pacific. Listen, learn, and get shit done. See you guys next week. See you then. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.